E-Tidings Cosmos. Good morning, 21st century world of worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thormila Falcha Rothansha. Hear this, listener. Give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. Saw so a man of some forty years of age emerge from a field. He climbed over an old rusty tubular iron gate. He was carrying a long black hunting rifle that had a telescopic sight on it. And I thought to myself, how very unfair, how very cowardly is that? How could one lay down in a field, settle oneself in comfortably, and shoot from quite a distance a little innocent, helpless, unawares animal, probably playing in front of its burrow, its home, and in full view, too, of his or her siblings, or even parents. Was he doing it, I wondered, just for the fun of it? Or was he in need of food? I greatly doubted it was the latter, for he had no bag with him when coming over the gate. I wonder, are there areas in our minds where it's dangerous for ideas to overtake each other? No road markings for ideas, so need to be extra careful. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading some more from Shakespeare, Lucretius and Chuangzi. A reading from A Midsummer Night's Dream. These things seem small and undistinguishable. Methinks I see these things with parted eye, when everything seems double. So methinks, and I have found Demetrius like a jewel, mine own and not mine own. Are you sure that we are awake? It seems to me that yet we sleep, we dream. Do not you think the Duke was here and bid us follow him? Yea, and my father, and Hippolyta, and he did bid us to follow to the temple. Why, then we are awake. Let us follow him, and by the way let us recount our dreams. When my cue comes, call me, and I will answer. My next is most fair Pyramus. Hi-ho! Peter Quince! Flute de Bellows Bender! Snout! The Tinker! Starveling! God's my help stolen hence and left me asleep. I have had a most rare vision. I have had a dream, past the wit of man to say what dream it was. Man is but an ass if he go about to expound this dream. Methought I was, <laughs> there is no man can tell what, methought I was, and methought I had, but man is but a patched fool if he will offer to say what methought I had. The eye of man had not heard, the ear of man had not seen, 
man's hand is not able to taste, his tongue to conceive, not his heart to report what my dream was. I will get Peter Quince to write a ballad of this dream, and it shall be called Bottom's Dream, because it had no bottom, and I will sing it in the latter end of the play, before the Duke. Peradventure to make it more gracious, I shall sing it at her death. Have you sent to Bottom's house? Is he come home yet? He cannot be heard of. Out of doubt he is transported. If he come not, then the play is marred. It goes not forward, doth it? It is not possible. You have not a man in all Athens able to discharge Pyramus but he. No, he had simply the best wit of any handicraft man in Athens. Yea, and, and the best person too. And he is a very paramour for a sweet voice. You must say paragon. A paramour is, God blesses a thing of naught. Masters, the duke is coming from the temple, and there are two or three lords and ladies more married. If our sport had gone forward, we had all been made men. Oh, sweet bully bottom! Dost had he lost sixpence a day during his life, he could not have escaped sixpence a day. And the duke had not given him sixpence a day for playing Pyramus, I'll be hanged. He would have deserved it. Sixpence a day in Pyramus or nothing. Where are these lads? Where are these hearts? Bottom, almost courageous day, almost happy hour. Masters, I am to discourse wonders. But ask me not what, for if I tell you, I am not a true Athenian. I will tell you everything, right as it fell out. Let us hear it, sweet bottom. Not a word of me. All that I will tell you is that the duke had dined. Get your apparel together, good strings to your beards, new ribbons to your pumps. Meet presently at the palace. Every man look he o'er his part, for the short and the long is, our play is preferred. In any case, let his be have clean linen, and let not him that plays the lion pair his nails, for they shall hang out for the lion's claws. And most dear actors eat no onions or ga nor garlic, for we are to utter sweet breath, and I do not doubt but to hear them say it is a sweet comedy. No more words. Away, go, away. A reading in continuity from the first century B.C. poem on the nature of things by the Roman poet and philosopher Titus Lucretius Carus. Moreover, why should nature not prepare men of her bulk to ford the seas afoot, or rend the mighty mountains with their hands, or conquer time with length of days, if not because, for all begotten things, abides the changeless stuff, and what from that may spring is fixed for evermore? Lastly we see how far the tills surpass the fields untilled, and to the labour of our hands return their more depend their more abounding crops. There are indeed within the earth primordial germs of things, which as the ploughshare turns the fruit for clods and kneads the mould, we quicken into birth. 
Else would ye mark, without all toil of ours, Spontaneous generations fairer forms. Confess, then, naught from nothing can become, Since all must have their seeds, wherefrom to grow, Wherefrom to reach the gentle fields of air. Hence too it comes that nature all dissolves Into their primal bodies again, And naught perishes ever to annihilation. For were aught mortal in its every part, Before our eyes it might be snatched away unto destruction, Since no force were needed to sunder its members And to undo its bands. Whereas of truth, because all things exist, With seed imperishable, nature allows destruction Nor collapse of aught, until some outward force May shatter by a blow, or inward craft, Entering its hollow cells, dissolve it down. And more than this, if time, that wasted without the works along the world, destroy entire consuming matter all, whence then may Venus back to light of life restore the generations kind by kind? Or how, when thus restored, may Dedal earth foster and plenish with her ancient food, which kind by kind she offers unto each? Whence may the water springs beneath the sea, or inland rivers far and wide, keep the unfathomable ocean full? And out of what does Eater feed the stars? An interpretation after my own fashioning of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. North Three Star Visitor spoke to me, saying, Human, human of error, may I call you humaculate of error? For you are a life form from the far away be near, who of your own accord became immaculately conceived within a human, not for the first time, nor do I suppose for the last time. It is as you say, North Three Star Visitor, and so with your pleasure you may. Good. Then from this moment onwards, I will call you Humaculate of Error. And now, what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? I greatly enjoy talking words which are great. So great that they have hardly anything corresponding to them in terrestrial reality. Once such words depart from me, they do not return, for they spread out beyond the shores of this atmosphere, beyond golden sun and its furthest offshore orby isles, beyond by way beyond the fringes of the galaxy, this galaxy the humans call the Milky Way. I am not at all frightened of speaking enormities, though they seem to have little or no connection with one another, and are not that akin to the experiences of the humans. Hear this, such is a story. In the hills of the south there dwells what I call a spirit-like human, whose skin is ever so smooth, 
like unto a lightly frozen stream in spring. The personality and way of this hermit is refined, elegant and charming. He lives off the air, the dew and the hazes. Whenever he so wishes, he takes to riding upon the wind, and floating on along and reclining on wispy high clouds, Going along freely with the wind streams and currents, rolling with their swills, he would often about the planet journey go. If he came from observing the sky, and the flights of birds and the movements of animals in the fields and groves, that heavy downpouring was on the way, followed most likely by severe flooding, he would timely get himself to high ground. If the noon-hour sun was going to be beating down too much, he would timely go sit in shade. If the late afternoon to eve and the whole night through was going to be freezing cold, he would timely go make himself a fire and sit himself down there next to it. When with walking amongst humans, they would find themselves to be in fullness of joy. Any discomforts or sicknesses or diseases they may have would depart from them in his presence. Never would they return to them again. If he were to pass by their fields, the seeds therein would all grow to full maturity in the fullness of the season. And when he were travelling in worn, torn lands, there would be a laying down of arms, never to be taken up again. Such is this man of the hills of the south. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say did lovingly relay way back in days of long gone by for a future mortal of himself when he did word. O mortal self of mine, when we're living in your own realm and time, you will talk to yourself and you will hear and answer yourself out of your heart. All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought too for peoples living in faraway places, in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to Radio Richard Ireland on the air globally for about 15 minutes, Monday to Friday, and occasionally on the weekends. A transcript of today's broadcast will be forthcoming. It is truly an honor to have you listening. May you be a blessing unto yourself by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Sloan August Banacht Lett.